welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Cashagro, and today we are going to be talking about colorectal cancer screenings. Joining me today is Dr. Veronica Gerardo and Kelly Lumley. Both of them work at the West Tennessee Gastro Clinic here in Jackson, Tennessee. How are y'all? Doing good. Well, thank good. You. Thanks for coming in today. So I know today we're going to be talking about colorectal cancer and the screening for that. So I've, I've heard that getting screened for colorectal cancer is important. Can you kind of tell me why it's important and maybe an early age or a specific age people are supposed to start doing that? Well, we like to start screening for colorectal cancer starting around the age 45. Okay. We usually do this up till 75, but different factors can prolong that. It's a great measure to prevent cancer. Okay. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death in men and women. So this is a procedure, same day procedure that easily prevents cancer. As you said, it's a same day procedure. How invasive is the procedure to, to be screened? Well, you are put to sleep, so you do have anesthesia. I like to tell patients that they take a nice little nap. So they are breathing on their own, but should be nice and comfortable, not remember the procedure. And when they wake up, I usually say you might be a little groggy and tired the rest Mm -hmm. of that day. So kind of lay low, hang out at home, and no driving or operating heavy machinery the rest of that day. The next day, you should be able to resume normal activity. Oh, so you can go back to work? work. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so are there certain aspects of life or genetics that could potentially make somebody be more susceptible to getting colon cancer? Yes. Okay, could you kind of give me like maybe some examples of those? Well, without going into all the medical genetic <laughs> syndromes, <laughs> there are there are multiple genetic factors that can contribute to someone getting colorectal cancer at an earlier age than okay. the general population. And also, we also consider race as a as a factor into how early you should get colorectal cancer screening. Okay. So for example, I think all of us know about Chadwick Bosman and how he passed away from stage four colorectal cancer and found out at, when he was stage three. I was so sad that day. I know. Yes. I was so I was shocked. Sad. Yeah. So sad. So I think that actually was, unfortunately, it was a good thing that we knew about it because it brought colorectal cancer back into the forefront, sure. and back into the public eye. For example, he's, he's an African-American mm-hmm. male, and for African-American or African descent people, we do recommend colorectal cancer screening at 45. Mm-hmm. Now, that would have left Chadwick still in a very vulnerable situation because he was still like in his 30s when he was diagnosed. Yeah. Right, he was pretty um, young. Um, but um, that is one thing that is to consider is race as well. And for people who have genetic or family inherited colorectal cancer, that can even go down even earlier. Gotcha. It just depends on the family history. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's I good usually to know. tell my patients a rule of thumb 10 years prior to the diagnosis of their first degree relative mm-hmm. with a precancerous polyp or colon cancer. So yeah, you're saying, that. like, if my father was diagnosed at 50, mm-hmm. I should be checked at 40. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Well, that yes. makes sense. Uh, what about lifestyle? Are there are certain lifestyle factors that contribute to being more susceptible. Absolutely. Okay. I always tell my patients a big one. I think the most common one is tobacco use. Definitely okay. higher risk of developing cancer, specifically colorectal cancer with really? being a smoker, but just cancer in general too. Okay. So that's one thing I always tell them if they need more motivation to cut the habit that decreases your risk of developing yeah. cancer. So another 
Um, I talk to patients about that can help decrease the risk of developing colorectal cancer is inactive lifestyle or mm-hmm. being overweight. I encourage activity, you know, especially evening walks or morning walks, just getting out and doing a little more than their average everyday activity. Sure. Whether that's just an extra 15, 20 minutes a day, just trying to get that in as their me time to help decrease their risk of developing cancer. Okay. Also encourage usually eating a high fiber diet that is also shown to help decrease risk. Great. Daily alcohol use, of course put you at risk for all sorts of potential complications but can also increase your risk of cancer are men more susceptible to getting colon cancer or women or correct me if i'm wrong from everything i've read it's pretty equally distributed maybe males a little bit but again it's very equally for sex male or female pretty evenly distributed equal Mm -hmm. okay so i've heard that the colonoscopy is the quote gold standard of colon screening why is that It's the gold standard because it's direct visualization of the colon. They can actually see the inside of your colon at that time, and they're Mm -hmm. looking for polyps, which are overgrowth in the lining of that colon lining there. And so if they see those at the time of the procedure, they can remove them if they're not too large or advanced. Okay. And other limitations of the other um, screening tests, such as the FIT or the Cologuard or the fecal cold blood test, is that these things will show the presence of blood or, you know, abnormality. But the thing is, it's still limited. So if it shows that it's positive, I still have to do a colonoscopy to make sure that you don't, in fact, have a polyp or, or advanced polyp or colon cancer. Even if it is positive, it doesn't mean that you have cancer. And if mm. it's negative, it doesn't mean that you don't have cancer or polyps. Gotcha. So the gold standard is to take a look to make sure. And even with the best, longest colonoscopy, you can still miss things. Right. Um, but the gold standard would be to make sure you can look and then take it off. Okay. Yeah. And I usually encourage my patient or harp on the bowel prep as well is another way because it has a really bad stigma or you know, has a cloud in the air about why people don't want to be screened because of the day before the bowel prep to get cleaned out. Um, But I always try to talk through why we do that and the importance of it. It's to their benefit. The more cleaned out you are, the easier it is for them to visualize your colon. If you still have remaining stool in your colon, that can block these polyps that can be millimeters in size. And so, of course, you want to do it to your best ability so that you can adequately be screened for colon cancer. And so that bowel prep would be the, you go to the pharmacy, you get the jug of powder and mix it with water. There's there's different formulas, um, but they all are going to produce to get cleaned out um, to prepare you for that colonoscopy the next day. And I want to piggyback off of what Kelly was saying about bowel prep. The better you do with the bowel prep and the better that we can see, you know, sometimes it's not 100% perfect, but we mm-hmm. do understand that. And we can clean it off with water and things like that. But as Kelly was saying, like it, if it is full of stool or if it's, there's a lot of residual because you ate the day before or the prep wasn't good and took half the jug and, or half of what we said to take, mm-hmm. then it makes it harder. And when it makes it harder for me to be able to clear you, then I'm not going to clear you. I'm not going to give you 10 years. Um, yeah. And I will ask to repeat that colonoscopy earlier. For your safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're um, basically setting safe. yourself up for failure yes. if you don't well, consume the whole. You setting could, yourself you could to be. potentially come back sooner yes. than there you go. the average risk individual is the 10 years. Yes. Gotcha. It might be that five year. And I always tell my patients it is, again, to their benefit mm-hmm. to go as long as they can for the next one, um, unless they have problems before, yeah, of sure. course. I am 28, so I've not yeah. yet reached that part of my life of having having to do that. I'm not exactly looking forward to it, but it, you know, it, it does put that in my brain yeah. of like, yeah, you got you got to be 
responsible with the medication and the bowel prep. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to set yourself up for success. You want to be around for your family and your friends right. and all that. And it's totally within your control to follow the direction to the doctor right. to do that. Yeah. No, it's not fun. I'm, I've heard. No, it's not. <laughs> but the benefits definitely <laughs> outweigh the, the risk. Thing. And yeah. then after that, it's... Right. Yeah, the, the day of the procedure is the get a good nap day. I was going to say you get yep. to sleep and really you well. what you want to eat. Yeah. There you go. Get some ice cream later or something. Yeah. <laughs> So I've heard with other service lines in our system, like Sports Plus, you have what's called direct access, meaning you don't have to have a physician to tell you or your PCP to tell you, hey, your ankle is broken. You should have therapy. You can go directly to Sports Plus and have therapy that way. Is there a similar situation with you guys when it comes to colonoscopy at gastro? Yes, we do have the option for direct access for certain patients. Okay. Definitely want to talk with your family doctor if it's time for your screening or contact us and we would be happy to discuss if you were a candidate for colorectal screening. Okay. For certain patients, direct access is a great option, and it saves them from having to come into the office. We also have other means of that first initial consult, if that's needed in the office, we have telehealth, so that's available. I was going to ask if that's available. Yeah, I know it's absolutely. During COVID, it's yeah, it's vital. It's, it's been vital. a great resource. And my hope is that continue telehealth continues mm-hmm. to be an option once yeah. COVID is kind of. We're still using it, right. and it's going well. I think Good. so. I think patients are liking it, and at least having that option. But that's you know another option besides direct access if sure. you are unable to directly come into the office. But sure. we're always happy to see. In the office as well. Yeah, that's great. For me, going to the doctor can be an anxiety-producing thing. Um, Thinking about having a colonoscopy obviously could bring up feelings of anxiety. So is this a procedure that takes an hour, 45 minutes, 10 minutes? How long does it take? I will say that everyone does ask that question when I see them. And I always tell patients that the longest part of the your day is when you check in and when you check out. Which oh, means wow. that the longest part is getting your IV access, waking up from the procedure. Right. The suture itself can take between 15 to 30 minutes. Okay. Now, that all changes according to how many polyps there are, how big the polyp is, how, what we have to do to take it off. But average on average, about 15 to 30 minutes. Oh, that's really nothing. Yeah. No. So I've heard the word Cologuard. Can you kind of tell me what that is? And is that a suitable replacement for a colonoscopy? I'm biased because <laughs> you know I do the procedure, the, the colonoscopy as a procedure for um, screening colorectal cancer. Sure. While the Colgard is suitable in terms of seeing if you are if there's blood in the stool, one thing I would like to stress is it can show if you there's blood in the stool. Now that does not replace a colonoscopy. If you have blood in your stool, you need to get a colonoscopy definitely if that is detected on a Colgard. Now, if you do not have blood on, in, uh, in the stool, that does not mean that you didn't have a polyp or, or colon mm-hmm. cancer that was there. It just didn't pick it up. So that's what I'm saying. There's big limitations to it. Gotcha. Um, and there's mm-hmm. still some risk of using that as a screening tool. It does not replace a colonoscopy, though. Okay. Good and enough. I've seen um, also with patients, as their age increases, I've had higher false positives. Mm-hmm. So with the false positive, that's an abnormal finding. And mm-hmm. so we do follow it up with a diagnostic colonoscopy to determine, you know, why is this abnormal? And with that, sometimes the procedure is normal. And so I always try to stress that too. They could in the end end up having the colonoscopy. And again, that is the gold standard. But I do think it is a great resource to have for certain patients that are not considered high risk with maybe a first degree relative Mm -hmm. with colorectal cancer. Okay. Um, And maybe it's in that window between their 10 years. Okay. Now I know you mentioned the uh, first degree uh, relative possibly mm-hmm. having colon cancer, meaning you need to be screened as well. Are there any other factors that 
like me as a 28-year-old that I should think about? Any other factors or reasons why I should have one before the normal age of 45? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. If you definitely, anyone that has rectal bleeding, any type of rectal bleeding, if it's like a little spot and, you know, we always like to blame it on hemorrhoids, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, that's the thing that's common mm-hmm. in everyone, no matter what age you are, sure. especially women who had kids and things like that. If you do see some rectal bleeding, small, even a big amount, you can't say for sure if it is from hemorrhoids. So I would say like that would be the one that would trigger you to go to your doctor, let them know. If you have access to rapid access and you're healthy, you can use mm-hmm. that to then try to get a colonoscopy or, you know, visit us in our, at West Tennessee Gastro to get set up for a colonoscopy. Okay. Because, I mean, then we could clear you. Sure. But mm-hmm. if you keep having rectal bleeding, it's better to rule that out. And the one thing mm-hmm. to know is that we are finding, unfortunately, colorectal cancer at younger ages. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so that's why I would stress that if that's rectal bleeding is happening at any point to get on the schedule to get a colonoscopy, however that is. Rapid access office visit. Sure. Let your PCP know. Right. That's good to know. I usually tell my patients better safe than sorry down the road. Early detection is, I think, the number one key to survival rates. Sure. And so, again, you don't want to just assume the rectal bleeding or the blood in the stool is, oh, it's hemorrhoidal. I'll just, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm and wait for more symptoms. Let's get in there and just make sure everything's okay. Other symptoms I tell patients are unexplained, persistent lower abdominal pain, unexplained weight loss, fevers, especially in a younger individual. Mm -hmm. Also a change in their bowel habit. Those things were concerned for colonoscopies or a further evaluation. How often after your initial screening do you need to have a colonoscopy done? So again, that depends. So if you have a family history, first degree relative who had a colon cancer at a young age, they kind of bought you every five years. But if you yourself had your first colonoscopy and there's nothing on it that was concerning, then it's 10 years. Okay. Now, when you find polyps, it could go down to five years, depending on how big the polyp is, how many polyps there were. Mm-hmm. And then three years, again, depending on that factor. Sure. For certain genetic colon cancer risk factors, like one of them is Lynch syndrome, which mm-hmm. is a colon cancer inherited type of colon cancer, is every year. And for certain polyposis syndromes, it could be yearly too. Okay. But it, it, it just depends on, one, the genetics, the family history, and then also the patient themselves. Gotcha. And I always let our patients know if a polyp is removed or even after the procedure, ask, when do I need to come back if there is any confusion? Because, of course, we're going to let you know, make your follow-up or after the procedure. But if for some reason there is any confusion, always ask. Speaking of, uh, if you have like a polyp removed, say I, I go in, I have a polyp removed, mm-hmm. and I, you, you said earlier that I can pretty much go back to normal life the next day. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I'm going back to normal life with pain? For a little while, is it pretty well painless after you wake up? Is it like what can I expect the day after? I guess. So I usually tell patients when they're waking up from anesthesia, they'll be a little groggy. They might have a little bloating or gas, mm-hmm. but usually I just tell them to bear down, let that out, <laughs> <laughs> and they have good relief with that. They yes. wait till they wake up a little bit, and then they send them on their way. You should not the next day have any significant abdominal pain, okay? Any large amount of rectal bleeding or any kind of bleeding. If you do, those are things definitely you'd want to call about. But again, you should be able to resume your normal activity and with normal activity, meaning how you were functioning prior to the colonoscopy. So it really sounds like with prep and everything, prep colonoscopy, waking up from anesthesia, it's really at tops like a two day process. Mm-hmm. Prep yes. being one yeah. day and the operation the next day mm-hmm. and you're back to normal. Yeah. I feel like that should help people not be so anxious about it because right. if you think you're going to have an operation, it's Odds are you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's going to be a couple of days, a couple of weeks that I'm, you know, until I can get back to my normal. So 
That's, that's really great to know. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Do not wait. If you're listening to this podcast and you're having issues, or if you're not and you just want to know and you know put some anxieties to rest, schedule a colonoscopy. No, it's not going to be the most fun thing in the world, but it's going to be great for your health. So you can call our office to schedule an office visit, a patient access, or telehealth visit at 731-424-1001. Thank you guys so much for being here today, and this has been another episode of We Talk Health. We Talk Health.